This is a podcast by the Business Times. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Property Beat. I'm senior correspondent Leslie Yee. Allow me to be your host as we gather insights on all things Singapore property to help you in your property investment journey. Today, we dive into the topic of the purchase of built-to-order or BTO flats from the Housing and Development Board or HDB. Should more people have a chance to snare highly sought-after BTO flats? For many Singaporeans, the first home they buy is a BTO flat. Subscription rates for BTO flats are high, perhaps attesting to the quality of new HDB projects. With a BTO flat, one gets a good home for living and a potential source of profit, as these units are sold at subsidised prices and some buyers receive housing grants. In some cases, comparable older resale flats may be priced around 30 to 40% higher than that of BTO units. Generally, prerequisites to buying a BTO flat include having Singapore citizenship and getting married. But a couple that meets the above criteria may be ineligible to buy a BTO unit if their combined income busts the income ceiling of 14000 a month. I argued in a recent article in The Level Ground that perhaps policy should be kinder to high-income couples. Give these couples the chance to secure a BTO unit too, especially as private homes and HDB resale homes are getting more expensive. There were readers who shared my view that policy should be generous in casting a wider net when it comes to who is eligible to buy a BTO unit. Cost of living in a global city like Singapore is high, and inflation is raging globally. So many families may be happy to have a chance to buy an affordable home. Also, some high-income couples may be financially stretched because of needs such as that of looking after elderly parents. But industry analysts think the current income ceiling may work just fine. Let's hear from Christine Sun, Senior Vice President, Research and Analytics, Orange Tea and Thai. There are several factors to consider before we decide if it is the right time to revise the income ceiling for BTO flats. Over the past decade, the income ceiling is usually revised every four years. So, for instance, the income ceiling was raised in August 2011 from $8,000 to $10,000 and four years later increased to $12,000 in August 2015 and then another four years later to $14,000 in September 2019. In fact, the income ceiling remained unchanged for 17 years prior to 2011. So it could be too short a period to look at the revision of income ceiling now since it is just about two years after the last revision in 2019. And it takes time to observe the price fluctuations and assess the impact of the last policy change. The other consideration could be how fast medium income has changed over the years. Although it has been observed that more couples are earning higher salaries, this may not be true for the general population. If we use the median incomes of uh, resident-employed households as a gauge, median income has only increased about 4% from 2019 to 2021. Whereas during the last two income ceiling revisions, median incomes rose about 17% and 24% for each of the four-year period. Therefore, it may not be time to raise the ceiling now. If we raise the ceiling too quickly, then many other Singaporeans may be priced out of the market due to the increased competition for BTO flats. We may also want to take into account uh, rising inflation, global economic uncertainties that are on the cards, as all these will have an adverse impact on real incomes of Singaporeans. Good point by Christine on how incomes have not risen all that much to justify raising the income ceiling. 
Hmm, perhaps stick to recent precedent and adjust the income ceiling for BTO units that was last adjusted in 2019, once every four years, with the next round of revision in 2023. Let's also hear from Wong Xiu Ying, Head of Research and Content of PropNext Realty, who thinks the existing income ceiling works fine and points out how letting more people buy BTO flats can worsen the oversubscription of BTO units. Well, if you recall, the income ceiling was recently revised from $12,000 to $14,000 in 2019. So that's not too long ago, and we believe that the uh, current income cap is still sufficient and can cover most uh, lower to middle income families. In 2021, the median monthly household income was $9,520. So at $14,000, I would say the income ceiling for BTO flats would still cover a large segment of average Singaporean households and it remains relevant. You know, HDB BTO flats are highly subsidized and the income ceiling works as a form of means testing to make sure that the people who need affordable housing the most have access to it. So for families that have exceeded the $14,000 income cap, they have other options, you know, such as uh, HDB resale flats, executive condos, or mass market private homes. You know, I, I think another point to note is that by raising the income ceiling, it will enable more people to ballot for BTO flats. So will this then, you know, make it more challenging for families to secure a new flat? As it is, applying for a BTO flat is already quite competitive and uh, new flats are usually oversubscribed. The other thing to consider is equity. Would it be fair for a family whose household monthly income exceeds uh, $14,000 to compete for a subsidized BTO flat with a family that is, you know, say, earning $7,000 to $8,000 a month when, you know, those people can well afford other forms of housing? Indeed, HDB flats are subsidized. So resources need to be used carefully. Also, Suying is right about the possible inequity of higher income households competing with lower income ones for scarce and precious BTO flats. Perhaps affordability is still fine for higher income earners to buy non-BTO units. Let's hear from Lanet Tay, Head of Research Singapore, Knight Frank. First-time buyers can also look to the HDB resale market for their first homes relying on less expensive units in less popular areas where prices remain affordable, according to the median resale prices published by HDB each quarter. Many of these locations have resale units under $1 million and also below half a million dollars. Singapore's transport system is much more advanced and more accessible now to many HDB residential areas compared to, say, when Amokyo, Bishan, Clementi, Tampanese areas were non-mature estates in the early process of new town development in the distant past. So it is not like a couple who have exceeded the current income cap are without options. There is housing diversity in Singapore, and not every new family needs to rely on BTO units as a first home. Many families can and have taken the resale route. I think Leonard is right. There are some HDB flats that make the news when they're sold for a million dollars or more, but these are mainly outliers. Look in less popular HDB estates, and one may find more affordable resale units. Moreover, one gets a flat straight away, 
by buying in the resale market instead of waiting a few years in the BTO market. And one does not need to rely on getting a good BTO ballot number. With the government investing in improving transport links and amenities, a less popular estate can become more popular over time. And voila, one can make a decent gain on a resale unit in an estate that becomes mature. Still, some may want to buy resale units in popular, mature, centrally located HDB estates because that is where their parents live, where they grew up, where they want to send their children to school and where their place of work is. So perhaps buying a resale home in a further out location may not work for some. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. We have discussed the pros and cons of raising the income ceiling for purchases of BTO flats and whether good housing options exist for those who cannot secure BTO units. Besides HDB resale flats, couples who earn more than 14000 a month but less than 16000 a month can also consider new executive condominium units, which are cheaper than private condominiums by around 20% or more. But hey, what about the idea that if more couples can secure HDB BTO units easily, couples will be more productive at reproducing and their broader benefits from having more babies? An aging population where fewer working people support more elderly people, after all, is leading the government to raise taxes to fund rising expenditure on items such as healthcare. Are housing policies a good tool to encourage family formation and couples having kids? Well, there may be limits to what housing policy can do in the critical matter of producing babies. Let's hear again from Lanet Tay of Knight Frank. Perhaps BTO flats are not meant to be the key catalyst for national birth rates. In our culture, there is a great urgency to focus on career first before family. Perhaps if this psychology were reversed a little, where families and having children had greater priority, then couples might be more content to acquire HDB homes within their means and not be stressed by the supply of BTO launches nor the waiting times that come with construction. The key issue then would be work-life harmony and not so much BTO flats. Well said, Leonard. Get the elusive work-life harmony sorted and the babies will follow. Propnex Wong Siu Ying is also sceptical on how effective access to BTO flats is in persuading couples to have kids and argues that having kids is really very much about personal choice. Let's hear from her. Well, the government has, through the years, rolled out many schemes and incentives to boost Singapore's uh, total fertility rate, which has stubbornly stayed below the replacement rate of 2.1. You know, I, I reckon having their own home would encourage couples to plan and start a family. But there are probably many other factors at play here, such as demographic, cultural and lifestyle changes. Personally, I know of married couples and some have bought BTO flats who've decided that they do not want any children and are quite happy with their lifestyle. And then there are couples, you know, with kids who are also just loving their family life. I think in the end, it's a personal choice. I'm not sure how far a BTO flat would persuade people to have more kids, 
But I guess it could help to some degree when they have a home to call their own. Public housing in Singapore tries to serve many objectives. And there are numerous suggestions on how to improve a model that is the envy of many countries. Lower the age when singles can buy a HDB home, for example, or let singles buy homes that are built under the new prime location public housing, or PLH model. A much cherished aspect of HDB living is how people from different races and socioeconomic backgrounds live together, hopefully in harmony. Indeed, letting more people experience HDB living can perhaps help boost social cohesion. The HDB has the Ethnic Integration Policy, or EIP, to preserve Singapore's multicultural identity and promote racial integration. The EIP caps the proportion of each ethnic group in various HDB blocks and neighbourhoods based on Singapore's ethnic makeup. Under the policy, a homeowner of a minority race can only sell his flat to another member of a minority race once the quota for the majority race is reached. Because of the EIP, some flat owners face difficulty in selling their units. Such owners will benefit from a recent policy change. From March 8, 2022, HDB will buy back flats from eligible EIP-constrained flat owners who are unable to sell their homes at a reasonable price. Let's hear what Propnex Wong Siu Ying has to say about this latest government initiative. Well, we think the HDB's offer to buy back uh, EIP-affected flats is a great move that will help to level the playing field for some flat owners who have, you know, in the past faced challenges in selling their flat due to the ethnic quota limits. The EIP is important in fostering greater community integration and also, you know, help racial harmony. But inadvertently, some flat owners, you know, especially minority sellers, have been burdened by it. Minority sellers usually take a longer time to sell their flat and may also sell it for a lot less than what their neighbors' flats could fetch. You know, some of them have asked HDB for EIP waivers owing to extenuating circumstances as well. Overall, it's good that the uh, EIP flat owners now have another avenue to turn to. Generally, you know, I reckon that if everyone buys their BTO flat from the HDB at a certain price, then why should minority groups be sort of penalised at the point of sale just because of the EIP limits? So from that angle, uh, we think this HDB buyback measure will definitely make things a lot fairer. Indeed, with HDB's recent move, flat owners from minority groups will not be penalised at the point of sale just because of the EIP limits. Many rules apply when buying and selling HDB homes. Don't worry, the HDB website has loads of information to help you. And there are many rules because public housing serves many important objectives. What is great is that rules do get refined along the way. For potential home buyers, getting a BTO unit is a great way to start one's home ownership journey. As to whether to buy in a mature or non-mature estate, or try for a PLH unit, do understand your own circumstances and do your homework. And for those who cannot buy a BTO unit or need a place to move into really quickly, there are options, such as renting a place or buying resale units in less expensive estates. Also, getting an executive condominium unit or even a mass market resale private condominium unit may be possible for some. Happy house hunting 
And remember, do not overstretch your finances, as interest rates may rise and the macroeconomic outlook is hazy amid geopolitical tensions. Finally, buying within one's means is good for one's mental health. And that's a wrap for this inaugural edition of Property Beauty. Okay, that's enough now. I'm Leslie Yee. Do join us for the next episode where we discuss what property segments investors should look into in this post-cooling measures and inflation-riddled climate. Thank you for listening. That was a podcast by The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Do note, all analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast are for your general information only. You should not rely on them in making any decision. Please consult a fully qualified financial advisor or professional expert for independent advice and verification. To the fullest extent permitted by law, SPH Media shall not be liable for any loss arising from the use of or reliance on any analyses, opinions, recommendations, and other information in this podcast. SPH Media accepts no responsibility or liability whatsoever that may result or arise from the products, services, or information of any third parties.